For me, it's a privilege to be here, uh, not just here preaching, but also having the youth band here and listening to them singing and just enjoying that. So many of you are here up front also listening, hopefully. Um, I have had the privilege of working for over 20 years in youth ministry, off and on um, in different countries, and it was always a a pleasure. It's something special to work with uh, teenagers, young adults, and I just love it. And when we would have those uh, preparation meetings, what kind of topics, what kind of Bible studies do we want to go into, then it was always one thing that popped up, and that was the topic, what is God's will for my life? I mean, let it be the right partner. That starts at a certain point, right? Everyone wants to know, what is God's partner for my life? Or the job, what is the right job for my life? I want to do what God wants me to do. Or then sometimes in Christian groups, the question pops up also, um, does God call me into full-time ministry? And when we look at those questions and when we look at this topic, what is God's will for my life, I would say it is very closely related to the Spirit's leading in my life. And that is the topic for today. The Spirit's leading in my life, in my daily life as I go about my day and week, What is his leading, and how does that work? And when we look at that, I would want to go back a couple Sundays and quote a phrase that uh, Brian had mentioned in one of his first sermons on the Holy Spirit, where it says, as the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus to you, know that the Spirit will aim to magnify Jesus through you. That is basically the leading of the Holy Spirit, magnify Jesus. And it is important that we have that in mind when we go into the topic God's leading or the Spirit's leading in our lives. When we look at that topic, many times we are um, asking for this big event, the next big thing in our life. What is the next big thing? What is my partner? What is my job? What is God's calling? What is The next step, God is closing one door here, but where does he open another one? Where, in what direction should I go? We don't know. And I want to take you along into some stories that I have experienced. It's just a few. If I would tell you all the stories, we would probably sit here next week still. Um, God is very active, and we need to learn to see him where he is active. And I want to take you along into some of those major event stories because God does those major event stories. One story would be, he puts his words in my mouth. I was in Ecuador uh, doing a Bible study, and as a good pastor, I prepared the Bible study. And I went ahead the week before, looked what is the topic, looked up some Bible verses, some Bible texts, and prepared the Bible Um, study well, and Bible study night came. We started working, and we had a good thing flowing, I would say, and we were studying the Word of God, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, come those questions that no one expects. Pastor, tell us, are ghosts real, and how do I deal with them? Now, you laugh, for them, that is very much a topic that is present for them. I remember one time, there was this one guy sitting there, and he was telling me about the one night he came home 
um, and he walked in this one street, and all of a sudden he heard this huffing and puffing, and he ran to the side, and he just made it into the into the trenches of the street before that huffing and puffing passed by him. And little did I know that in that street, during a certain period of the month, and usually full moon, there is a steer that no one can see running up that street and every once in a while killing or hurting some people. Now, that is a story that is not just some kind of a boogeyman or something like that. That is real for them. I mean, they are talking about spirits. The other night we were in the Bible study and the guy was telling me about this one path and this one channel, tunnel kind of thingy where they have to clean because it's supposed to water go through, but every once in a while there's sticks and stones and, and all kinds of stuff. And before you go in there, you have to clean yourself with a hard-boiled egg and with some um, alcohol that they put in their mouth. They don't swallow, but they spray it out and clean that area and clean themselves. That is very real for them. Now, as a pastor, how do you answer those questions? <laughs> I answer those questions, and I, I came up with this Bible verse and that Bible verse, and I answered as good as I can. And we had a very good conversation. Um, I pointed out to Jesus. I let them know who Jesus is in comparison to the spirits, that there are spirits, and so on. And at the end, they were satisfied and said, thank you, Pastor. I'm more calm about this situation and knowing that Jesus is with me. On my way home, it took me about 30, uh, 45 minutes to drive home. Um, I asked myself, what just happened? I mean, where did those Bible verses come from? I knew I had studied some Bible verses and I had read the Bible from the beginning to the end, but how in the world did those Bible verses just pop up like that? And I'm convinced it was the Holy Spirit working in me and through me, helping those people know that Jesus, that God is with them, that they don't have to be afraid. And I realized that what just happened was exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 10, where he says, you will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the nations. But when they hand you over or question you, don't worry about how or what you should speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour, because you are not speaking, but the Spirit of the Father is speaking through you. The Holy Spirit spoke through me, and he used me as a tool to help those people understand him. Magnify Jesus to them through me. And then there are some unexpected leading from the Holy Spirit. I remember in Germany, I was in furlough, and I was visiting different churches, and I was at this one church uh, youth group meeting Friday night, and John came up. And John was a young man. He had listened to the stories that I had from the mission field, and he said, that's pretty cool, but I think I'm a little bit far away from God. I, I need to go back to God. I've been rebellious, and so it's what should I do? I'm a carpenter by trade, he said. And I said, that's nice. I'm a carpenter by trade too. So we have something in common. Hey, after I worked as a carpenter, I went to the Liebenzell Mission to do a volunteer year, and that helped me tremendously. And he said, yes, sounds like something that I should do. I think I should go back to God, and maybe that would be the way to do it. 
three days later, two days later, um, I was in a church service at that same church, and a woman afterwards came to me and said, well, this is very nice what you shared about the mission field, but God is not working here in our lives anymore. At least we don't see it. And we got to talk a little bit, and I said, well, maybe we need to learn how to see God's working again in, in our life. And then she said, yeah, she would like to see that in her son's life. He is a little bit rebellious, and he has gone astray from Jesus. He's not there anymore. He's a carpenter, almost done. And I said, um, what's his name? Couldn't be John, right? And she said, yeah, why? And I told her that I had just talked to him on Friday night, and he was willing to go back to God. God had answered her prayers. The Holy Spirit had led me to that young man, even though she did not see that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit works in those ways, unexpected ways that we don't know how they come about. But then there are also those life-altering, life-changing events. And we dread them sometimes. We are looking forward. We, we sometimes even search them, and they don't happen. In my case, it did happen. Uh, I worked as a carpenter, and I enjoyed it. I told everyone I'm a carpenter by heart, and I will be a carpenter for the rest of my life. Um, I was reading the Bible one night. It was the 1st of September, 96, and I read the Bible, and afterwards the book, Nikki Cruz, Run, Baby, Run. Those who know Crossing the Switchblade, the movie, old one. I mean, I'm old too, but... Um, that book and that Bible reading was very special to me. But what was more special was all of a sudden I had this voice that I heard. And it's not that God talks to me on a constant base and I hear voices and, and so on. It was just one one time, this once in a lifetime, God talked to me and he said, you know, you should be at seminary. I said, no way. I walked to my buddy who was a roommate with me or um, we shared an apartment and I asked him if he heard this voice and I, he said, no, you're crazy. You have something here? And I said, no. And I pondered in and thought, put it away, and, and thought maybe it was just one of those crazy thoughts, really. But it, I didn't have peace about it, so I went into this Gideon confirmation. You know Gideon in the Bible? He searched for a confirmation on a call that God had given him. Many times we confuse that. We don't know what to do, so we lay out the fleece like Gideon, and maybe God shows us something. No, Gideon had a specific call and he wanted a confirmation just to be sure that God was actually calling him into that, doing this. And I did the same thing. I asked God, would you please confirm this to me? And he did several times. He had to work hard because it took him nine months to convince me. But after nine months, I gave in and I said, I will go. But I said, you have to help me with my languages because I was a D student in Germany and I was an F student, DF student, almost failed because of um, English. You need to help me with languages. Now I speak three languages and almost too much. <laughs> God has helped me in mighty ways and he has called me in mighty ways. These, these once-in-a-lifetime event, events, 
But sometimes it's also this opening and do closing doors. God is closing doors and sometimes opening in another direction. And we have experienced that too. And when we look at the book of Acts in Acts 16, we have this story where Paul walks with his companions and all of a sudden in the Bible says, and I wanted to go there, but the Holy Spirit didn't let me. And then I wanted to go there and the Holy Spirit didn't let me. And then at nighttime I had a vision a young man from Macedonia calling me, I should go there, so I went. And that was the leading of the Holy Spirit. What we don't understand sometimes is that the Bible is a fast-forward, stop-for-major-events kind of book. It was, I, I don't know how it was with Paul, but I can't imagine that it was at 8 o'clock in the morning he was thinking about going there, the Holy Spirit didn't let him. At 11 o'clock he was thinking about going there, the Holy Spirit didn't let him, and that very same night he told him, to go to Macedonia. Let me show you what that looked like in our life in the last year. About a year ago, we knew that our time on the mission field was over. And we were thinking about what should I do? Where should we go? What is the direction? I sent out several resumes, and some of the, the responses were pretty funny. One uh, pastor wrote back and said, well, you got definitely the most exotic uh, resume that you sent in. That was nice to say, but I never heard back from him. <laughs> I applied at major organizations like uh, Samaritan's Purse. We got fairly far in the process, and they wanted me. They said, you would be a perfect fit. I applied for a job as regional coordinator of South American countries, 11 countries under my leadership. Cool. You know, when you talk about uh, Samaritan's Purse and, and uh, the Christmas shoeboxes, shoe uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, the Christmas child, right. By the way, we're doing that again, so if you have something you want to donate, up in the children's register, the check-in area, there's um, some boxes where you can donate stuff. I applied there, got pretty far, and then they asked, so when could you start? And they wanted someone in spring, and I said, well, I have to work till end of August with my mission. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, so it doesn't work out. Didn't work. I applied at smaller organizations, at churches and so on. I applied at Millersburg BIC, half an hour north of Harrisburg. Very cool church, and we got pretty far in the, in the conversations, in the interviewing process and so on. And in the end, they choose Chuck. I met Chuck about a week ago, uh, or two weeks ago, and listening to him, perfect fit. God had led Chuck to this church perfect fit, but I still didn't have a job. Where, what was God doing? And I mean, I was considering getting a CDL, becoming a truck driver or license in, in selling cars, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with that. But I knew that God had called me into full-time ministry. Was God over with me? Did I do something wrong where was God leading? And there was no paper from heaven. And I was looking for some kind of indication where, where was God leading us. Now comes the interesting part. About five years ago, Corby and some of the teens came down to Ecuador and we had a splendid time. And it was about the time when Greg had announced that um, the lead pastor position would be open and someone in the team, I can't remember who, said, 
why don't you apply for that? And I said, no way. This is way too big for me. I'm not made for that. But if anything, I would love to do that faith formation pastor thingy. I mean, Brian, I had talked to Brian before that, and, and it was really cool what he had told me about it. I said, this would be the perfect job. Little did I know that five years later, I would be sitting here as the faith formation pastor. God had led this. <laughs> praise to him, not, not anyone else. Praise to God. God had led us, but let me tell you, it was not an easy thing. God opens and closes doors, yes. But that's a process. And in the process, one of the things that I've learned more than everything else is that we need to rely on God and have patience in that. That's one thing that I learned. The Holy Spirit is leading us, and he is leading us in mighty ways. And I could go on with stories and stories and stories how God has helped us in Micronesia and Ecuador in the counseling and so on. But then you might say, okay, this is nice, Daniel. I mean, you have had all those experiences and so on. But what about the real life? I mean, I'm not a missionary, and I'm not out there. God hasn't spoken to me. And I have closed and opened doors, but it doesn't seem like it's, it's that big thing or something like that. What about the everyday life? Let me go to a Bible text that Brian had read last week. In Galatians 5, we have this um, text, Galatians 5.16, where it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the, spiritual, uh, the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I love this text, especially this part where it says, these two forces are constantly fighting with each other. This means I'm not kaput. I am not broken. I am struggling day after day with impatience. I'm struggling day after day with other things, with sinful desires, with things in my life where I know this is not what God wants. And there's always this struggle in there. But I tell you, I would not be able to do it without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in my life. The Holy Spirit is the one who reminds me, don't do that, don't do this. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives me the power to confront those situations. But there is even more to that. Does it happen to you sometimes that you try to figure out where this list of the fruits of the Spirit is and you go to Ephesians instead of Galatians? It happens to me constantly. Doesn't matter. Holy Spirit is talked about in the Galatians 5 and in Ephesians 5, so read both texts and you're fine. You know, But I want to take you now to the Ephesians 5 text and continue the reading there. So be careful how you live. Don't be like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants, to, uh, wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your heart. 
and give thanks for everything to the Lord, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, for wives. This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And a couple verses later, for husbands, this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Did you ever realize that this text where it talks about the Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit is right in front of this controversial text of husbands and wives, children and parents, employees and employers. That's what I call it. Back then it was masters and slaves. Today we don't have that anymore. We have employees and employers. But it's basically the same thing. No, no, not really. You understand what I, you understand what I wanted to say. <laughs> you understand what I meant to say, right? <laughs> What I want to want us to see is that if in a marriage I want to live a godly marriage, there's no way I can do it without the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to guide me, to help me in my marriage. I, lead, I as a husband, need the Holy Spirit to help me be a good leader, a good steward of what God has entrusted to me. I need the Holy Spirit to guide my family, to be there for my wife, and to help her become more and more holy. That's what basically Jesus says in this text, that we are responsible for helping her to become more and more holy. How do I do that if not by the help of the Holy Spirit? I need the Holy Spirit. And on on the other side, there is no way a wife can entrust herself to the leadership of her husband without first entrusting herself under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. There's no way that we can get along with each other in marriage without the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Same thing is true with the children. Children need to know that we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that He wants to lead us and guide us. Children will not ask, Dad, are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? But they will feel it. They will feel if there's God in it or if there's not. Sometimes a little bit more, sometimes not, right? But then on the other side, there's I need the Holy Spirit and I need the fruits of the Holy Spirit to be able to live my life with my children. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is patience. Put that together with uh, having children. And love, love them. When it's sometimes not quite easy love, patience, kindness, when my sinful nature wants to take over and I want to be served, but then saying, I want to serve my children, I want to be there for them, I need the Holy Spirit. And then the work environment. I need the Holy Spirit to guide me in my work, work, work environment. I need Him to help me, and He changes me. I remember a friend in Ecuador He used to be a drunk and an irresponsible worker. No one wanted to have him. His wife didn't see him sometimes for weeks because he would be sleeping in the trenches, somewhere drunk, not coming home. He was not responsible at all. And then he got to know Jesus Christ. And he got to know the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now he is one of the most respected guys in the church. He's a mason. 
And he puts a stone on top of a stone and builds houses and builds walls. But he does it in an excellent way because he wants to please God. And he wants to do an excellent job. And he does it with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Nowadays, everyone wants to have him on his team because he is doing such a great job. And he, they praise him. And all he does is, God has changed me. And I just give back to him what he has given to me. The Holy Spirit's leading in his life, in our work, as wherever we work. Holy Spirit leading in us. I want to put one, one on top of that. When we read further in the text and we go into a couple of verses further, we come to um, Ephesians 6.10. And those who have struggled one way or the other with temptations know that there is the armor of God. When we talk about the armor of God, it comes right after that um, relationship thingy. Husband and wife, parents and children, and then the work environment. And we need to know that we need the Holy Spirit. The first phrase in the armor of God is a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you something. Who of you here knows Joshua Gibbs? I'm not talking about Jethro Gibbs and CIS. I'm talking about Joshua Gibbs. You know Joshua Gibbs? You know Jack Sparrow, right? Pirates of the Caribbean. You might have heard of it. You might have seen it. You might love it. I love Captain Jack Sparrow. He is just crazy. Captain Jack Sparrow, he is this crazy guy. You never know what he does in the next moment. Um, he is a leader of the ship, um, and he is the captain. Jack is the captain. Josh Gibbs, here on the picture, you have him right beside Jack. And you've seen the picture maybe, and um, do you know that he is the first mate? That he actually runs the ship? If there is something that needs to be repaired, he's in charge of it. If there is some direction or if there is some stirring um, into a direction, he has to go there. The captain tells him what to do with his compass. The captain is in charge of the ship. He's the owner maybe of the ship. And every once in a while, Jack Sparrow is doubted that he is the owner of the ship, the captain. But in the end, he is the captain. And he says, I run this ship. But he tells his first mate what to do, where to go, and how to do it. The first mate is under the leadership of the, Ho the Holy Spirit, of Jack Sparrow, you know? Now, Jack Sparrow is by no means the Holy Spirit. By no means. He is a crazy, lying, rum-drinking pirate. But I love this analogy here. I think we can make a case that I want to be the first mate. I want to be the one, and I have to be the one who leads, who organizes things. You know, I love this song, Jesus Take the Wheel, Carrie Underwood. I love this song. But one of the things that I always thought, well, so what am I supposed to do? Passenger seat? Passive? I don't do anything? Just enjoy the ride? You know? I like the analogy with the captain a little bit more because I do need to lead. I am the leader of my family. I lead in church. I do need to do things. I do need to make decisions and live with them. But I want to do it as the first mate, not the captain of my ship. I want the Holy Spirit to be my captain. 
I want the Holy Spirit to lead me, guide me. And as I go along and make my decisions, as I go along and stir the ship, I want him to be my captain. I want to be under his leadership. I want him to be the one to guide me through my life. A first mate does have responsibilities. And I do have responsibilities. I want to encourage you that you think about that analogy a little bit. That the Holy Spirit is actually your captain in your life. And he leads you and he guides you. And you take up the responsibility under his leadership. Living under the leadership of the Holy Spirit is not just about the next big thing. Living under the leadership of the Holy Spirit is about the Holy Spirit's active involvement in my life. And while he does that... We have to remember the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus to you and he will aim to magnify Jesus through you. Amen.